All righty, everyone. Welcome to episode 38 of Scooter and the Big Man, and baseball is back. The New York Mets finished their first week of the season, and we give you a breakdown of every game thus far. We go through their struggles with runners in scoring position to Luis Rojas and an interview with Jolly Olive. We also do an animal draft that features Matt from the Broadway Jets. You can follow him on Twitter at NYJMatt. Without further ado, let's get it started. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. All right, guys, welcome to episode 38 of Scooter and the Big Man. The first week of Mets baseball is in the books, and it feels like they are worse than their record is showing, but the Mets are only two and three through their first five games, and boy, does it feel like it should be a lot worse. Yeah, just from how they've played at the at the plate and the bullpen, uh, it feels like they should be winless, honestly. They, they should be like the the one and five Washington Nationals. But again, the Mets are only two and three. They're sitting in second place. I know we really don't standings watch in the first week of April, but like for how they've played, this could be a lot worse. Yeah, they could definitely be in a in a much worse situation, but you don't want this to go on any any longer than than this week. So let's just hop right into it. We're going to kind of go series by series and give you guys some overviews of what's going on. Uh, in Mets land, we're going to start with the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, if you listen to the uh, the last episode, episode 37, what a weird voice crack that was. <laughs> if you listen to episode 37, you already know that we talked about opening day. So we're going to be skipping opening day with this one and going straight into game two of the Philly series. Game two being the Mets first win of the season. Marcus Stroman on the bump and for not pitching in all of 2020. Marcus Stroman looked pretty fucking good. And you would take that every single start if that is what he's capable of. Yeah, no, he he didn't miss a beat. And we kind of saw in spring training, like, oh, he I think he's he's fine. But seeing it in a regular season game in game time, he looked great. His stuff was working. It was mostly ground balls. He only had three strikeouts, but he's not a strikeout pitcher. Everything was on the ground. And you kind of saw that improved Mets infield defense uh with uh with Stroman on the on the hill. Yeah, honestly, with Lindor and McNeil uh up the middle behind him and all the ball, ground balls that he's going to induce. I, I, I hate to even say it. Um, you hope J.D. Davis is okay. You know, his hand did get hurt in this series. But uh, on Marcus Stroman starts, I would be inclined to start Luis Guillorme at third and just get a really strong defensive infield because you know that 90% of the, like, what Stroman's going to induce is going to be on the ground. And even most of the hits were just hard-hit ground balls through the infield. So Stroman did a really good job of keeping that ball out of the air. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. On on those days, playing Gourmet at third is, is probably best. But even in like they they scored eight runs this game. They won this game eight four. Um, Dom hit a homer. Pete hit a homer. But for the most part, their big scoring outlet came in in the seventh when like Vince Velasquez came in and just forgot how to throw a baseball first strike. Like he he walked the bases loaded. He hit he I think he hit a, he hit a batter too. Maybe I'm not I don't remember, but. He, he definitely had like three walks in that inning. He just was all over the place. And that's kind of how they scored their runs. So they weren't like walk. Like obviously being able to draw a walk is good. But when you're that erratic, it's hard not to walk. So yeah. they weren't really manufacturing those runs at a, at a clip that you really would have liked to see. I mean, we're through five games and, and this is a little spoiler to some of the stuff ahead, but we haven't really seen them manufacture a lot of runs. It's been a lot of walks it's been at like the occasional big fly that's that plates a run. 
even in this win, PJ, they they score well, they, they score eight runs, and they were one for six with runners in scoring position this game. So they win the game, that's great, but they were not capitalizing on those big moments. It was a lot of shout out Vince Velasquez for that unique line, too. He went two innings, four strikeouts, four walks, and four earned. Uh, that is the first time that line has ever been accumulated in a big league game. So shout out him. I'm happy it came uh, to our benefit. But, you know, like you just said, like they really haven't had an inning even where it looks like hit after hit, like here we go, like we're scoring runs, like this is a hit parade, and we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, that, that fourth thing, they started, that, that seventh inning, excuse me, they scored four runs and didn't get one hit. So, yeah, we're, we're waiting for this offense to, to really wake up. And like we got, we were benefited from the, hey, just a bunch of walks. And we kind of uh, were on the winning side of that on that, that win on, on Tuesday. But on Wednesday, when they, how many, how many runs did they leave on a Wednesday? It was like 14 guys that left on base on, on that Wednesday game where they lost eight, two, when they had a lot of opportunities, like they were down bad in the, in the first inning with Peterson really struggling, giving up four runs in, in the first, but kind of settling down towards the, uh, the on in the second and third gave another two in the fourth and got pulled but they had their opportunities to climb back into that game and just squandered every single one of them yeah watching that game you just kept waiting for the big inning where it, the Mets were in it they were setting themselves up and they just were not not capitalizing at all uh, we're obviously going to talk about the individual struggles of these players but Michael Conforto in those series, um, and obviously Michael Conforto has a really big moment that we're going to get to in the Marlins series. No spoilers there. But Michael Conforto in the three-hole there was was struggling. And I saw a lot of people on, on Twitter freaking out about Conforto. And we've seen this with him kind of in the past. He is a little bit streaky at times. Um, but that being said, he is still Michael Conforto. I'm still viewing that as the Mets superstar Michael Conforto. And like somebody's like, oh, Freddie Freeman had a bad first three games. Like, are you going to take Freddie Freeman out of the three hole? Or if Mike Trout had a bad couple three games, are you going to take Mike Trout out of this spot in his lineup? And the answer is no, because it's five games. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, we did see that the Mets were already potentially, well, they did send that lineup out in the Marlins series where they dropped him. But Michael Conforto should still be hitting high in the lineup. It's five games. I'm not going to freak out too much about a Conforto struggles because we have seen him in the past be a really streaky player. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really freaking out if there have been if the first like week or even the first like full month or two weeks of, of April is an indication on how the guy is going to do for the entire the entire season. Then then guys like in the past like Chris Shelton who hit like. 18 homers in the first like two months of the season would have won MVP guys who have struggled. Like uh, what's his name? Mark Teixeira sucks, sucked in April. So, but he was great the rest of the season. Like, like just players like that. Like it doesn't, don't take the first uh, output of the season a hundred percent to, to heart, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like these guys will improve. It's just the first week kind of struggles. Teams go through it all the time. Guys go through it all the time. It's when, you hit that like two, two months kind of thing where they're just still not doing anything where it's like, all right, now we have to be concerned. But five games into the season where it's been very much start stop on the these Mets series because I mean, like we didn't play our first series. That was a, a COVID stoppage. Um, and then we had a rain delay or rain out uh, the on Sunday. So it's been very start stop for, for these guys. So once again, to a rhythm, I still believe that this offense is good, but it is still a talking point. And I'm, I'm fine with them moving him down in the lineup for 
for like a game or two, just be like, hey, we're we're gonna try and mix up a little bit, try and get this offense going. So that that's fine. But if you're freaking out and you're booing Michael Conforto, that's just like guys, come on, it's five games. Let let's let's ease up here. Listen, we don't talk about the Yankees, but if you're booing Conforto after five games, that's Yankee fan shit. Like you don't do that to Michael Conforto. You first off, we all want Michael Conforto to be a part of what we're building here in Queens for a long period of time, not just this year. Why on earth would you start his walk year off with him struggling a little bit through his first five games with fucking booze in the first homestand? Like everyone who booed, you're a fucking idiot. Like you got to get your shit together. You do not boo Conforto after everything he's done over the last couple of years. You, you don't boo him. I don't care how frustrated you are with him. Like, like you also just said, though, if we're focusing on the first little part of the season as what your whole year is going to be, Wilson Ramos and Mike Trout and Ronald Acuna are all going to hit for the same amount of home runs, apparently. So, and John Buck probably would have won a, a home run yeah. title with the Mets for what his April was a few years back. Like, don't overlook this. Obviously, April wins are just as important as September ones, but the team is two and three. They're struggling right now, but they're still two and three. So let's see if we can get it going with the Philly series coming up and we could kind of transition this now into the first homestand since we're kind of already talking about this Marlins series with Conforto being booed by the Mets fans. Um, PJ, they win the home opener. Let's not talk about how they won the home opener just yet. Let's talk about Taiwan Walker. Yeah. Taiwan Walker was, I think the, the best way he was brilliant for, for that he had a no hitter going into the fifth inning, which I mean, four inning no hitter. It's it's nothing. It's not like you're gonna get that that up there. Like, oh, no hitter, no hitter watch. But four innings of no hit baseball is is impressive. Um, his fastball looked good. His breaking stuff looked good. There's everything looked like it was working for him, and it looked like the guy that we really kind of hyped up as like this was the the other piece of the starting rotation that we really needed. And yeah, so. Uh, he gave up like a hit in the in the fifth, and then in the sixth, he kind of struggled a little bit, gave up two runs, but still, his ending line was six six ah, six innings, two earned, uh, four strikeouts on four hits. So a very very good solid debut, and kind of what we expected. Yeah, no, honestly, I think for me, and I don't know if a lot of other Met fans agree with this, but with Taiwan Walker, I knew he was solid with the Blue Jays. I knew that he had a lot of upside, but I think I might have convinced myself that Taiwan Walker was a really good pitcher before really seeing a lot of Taiwan Walker. And after seeing him for the first time at City Field in a Met uniform, it was almost like a little sigh of relief mm. where it was like, oh, like maybe he is actually a really good pitcher. And this is, this is a great signing. And the fact that we'll one day have a rotation with DeGrom, Stroman, Syndergaard, Carrasco, and Walker, um, that's going to be special. Hopefully we get that rotation. Hopefully everyone comes back healthy and can go. Um, but I, I was really happy with what I saw. I mean, he was throwing the hardest he threw in a game since like 2017. So you don't know if that's going to be consistent all year or if he was just pumped up to be pitching at his new home ballpark with fans again. Regardless of what it was, he looked phenomenal. Like you said, four no-hit innings. You're not going to get that update on your phone being like no hitter through four. But he was like only an inning or two away from getting that. So, I mean, like, that's still an impressive first time pitching City Field for your home ball club or to hitless innings to start the game. I mean, take off. that every day. Yeah, take, take that every every single day. But like the, re the rest of the game, it was uh, it's kind of some, some of the same, more of the same that we saw in the Phillies, not really capitalizing on, on a bunch of stuff. They had like bases loaded, one out. Don wound up 
heading a sack fly, but they only got that one run out of, out of the bases loaded. Um, didn't score again until the ninth, where Jeff McNeil finally got his first hit of the season, hitting an absolute cock shot off of uh, Anthony Bass. But it, the real story of this entire game was that last at bat. So there's a lot of different opinions on this last at bat. And you and I really haven't talked about where you stand and where I stand. Um, so I'm going to let you go first on it, but I, I, I definitely have some strong opinions on it. So my, my take is he 100% lead into the pitch. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's an argument there. I don't really think anyone is going to say like, any rational person is going to say he didn't lean into the pitch. However, as a Met fan, do I care that he leaned into a pitch? Do I care that the Mets won in a quote-unquote unfashionable way or, or unsportsmanlike way? I don't really know what you want to say. No, I really don't. Um, the Mets have lost on these stupid fucking plays time and time again. So the fact that it just happened in our favor this time is just like, I don't, I, fine, thank you. It's going ha- to go against us again later down the season. Just give us this one. I don't really care. There are people who are who are like putting in the same sentence, Mike Conforto cheating in the Astros cheating scandal. That's just bullshit. That's erroneous. Um, there are people who are saying Michael, Michael Conforto should be suspended. No, it's, that's fucking stupid. But again, I can recognize that you know he leaned into a pitch. Uh, he shouldn't have got that call. Like, like if you want to, if you're a Marlins fan, you want to blame anyone. Blame the umpire for not making that call. Uh, I would. I would venture to argue that every single player in the MLB at one point has tried to lean into a pitch. Um, not many in that situation, but you can look at Jose Tabata back in like 2012, 2011, I think it was, where Max Scherzer was throwing a perfect game. He leaned into a pitch to, to ruin that. So like guys have done this. It's just not many have been for the winning run. So uh, a complete hundred percent admission of guilt of he lead into it, but blame the umpires more than anything. And honestly, that's kind of where my take lies on this, where, I say Conforto does not know that the umpire is about to botch the call for all Conforto knows is he's going to get rung up for strike three because that ball was a strike. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't know that he's about to get a rewarded first base. Does he kind of lean his elbow into it? Absolutely. Like you can't do that. That's it's, it's not right. It is wrong. And you heard the SNY booth kind of losing their shit about it. Like credit to Gary Keith and Ron too, for calling everything down the middle. Like, you know, they're rooting for the Mets, you know, they're Mets fans, but at the end of the day, like, Keith and Ron and, and Gary, they all want the game played the right way. And that was kind of a moment where it was like the Mets did win, but they didn't really win the right way. And you do, you do feel a little sour about it. But at the end of the day, like a win's a win when you're looking back at the record in September, like you're, you're probably not going to remember this. You're probably not going to really remember this halfway through the season on how did they get that first win at home? Like no one's going to really care. That being said, if they win the world series, this will be a cool part of the championship like tape. But here's the thing too, like, the Marlins need to get a little more blame for just that entirety of the inning. The inning starts, McNeil hits a fucking, like you just said, cock shot tie game. Then they load the bases with one out and Conforto and Alonzo coming up. And the Mets just need one to end the game. So even if they get Conforto out there on strike three, they have to fate Pete Alonzo with the bases loaded. That's not acting like the game is going to be over going to extras. Like it's frustrating on so many different levels because getting hit by a pitch is the part that's reviewable. So when you go to review it in the booth, the umpires see it, he got hit by the pitch. That's the part that they can look at. Did he lean into the pitch is the part 
that it has to be called by the umpires on the field because that is your opinion and your perspective. So if those umpires fucked up the call, I'm sorry to Marlins fans if they're upset about it. And honestly, if Conforto gets hit with a pitch the next time the Mets play the Marlins, I'm not going to be really that surprised either. I know he kind of made it out of this series unscathed without getting one, but I, I expect that he'll probably get hit for this eventually down the line. Uh I think if I think if he was going to get hit, it would happen this series. But I could, I mean, it could happen next. Uh, it could happen next next series they play or or whatnot. But I, I feel like I don't know. Listen to like Don Mattingly talk after after the game and like after this series, he was. I think he was more mad at the umpires than anything. Yeah. Um. So I don't think he's going to be like like fine, go hit this guy. I think that the Marlins might might more or less be on the side of like, yeah, that was the umpire's fuck up, but I don't know. Um, you know, what else is funny though, too, that I, uh, I didn't even notice during the game. Um, but people kept bringing up the video afterwards that, uh, Jesus Aguilar stole Dom's defensive card out of his pocket as he was at first base. So it's like, Oh, Marlins are crying cheating when uh, Jesus Aguilar literally stole the defensive card out of Dom's pocket. So a little tit for tat there. Hey, listen, that's karma. If you're yeah. going to, if you're going to steal, it's going to come back to bite you. But but like you said, too, people are acting like this was like him getting hit. That's what the loss in the game. No, there were still bases loaded with with one out. And you already gave up the you already, you already had the time time run score on like the second pitch of the inning. So you were you fucked yourself. You just kind of got scapegoated out of it by by saying like, oh, him getting hit by the pitch was was the reason they lost the game, which I mean, if, in the literal sense. Yeah, that's what lost them the game. But no, there were other factors that were leading to them losing that game. Yeah, and um, there's no guarantee the Marlins win that game in extra innings or even make it out of the bottom of the ninth. So that, I think that's what's like frustrating is everyone's like, oh, if that doesn't happen, Marlins win. No, no, not at all. So is it a shitty way to go? Yes. Have Met fans lost games on shitty ways to lose games where being on the other side of one is kind of nice? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a change. Um, again, you don't want to win like that. At the end of the day, do I want to win games like that and have wins be tainted? No. Would I rather have Conforto hit a grand slam or a double to the wall and like get a big hit? Absolutely. But a win's a win. They play 162. Let's move on. It happened. I don't really care. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. Let's just, we're, and in tradition of moving on, let's move on to the second game of this series because that's kind of the revenge the Marlins got on us. Yeah, because this, so here's full disclosure, PJ, if you don't know this, if you're a new listener, PJ and I live in Florida. Uh, and so in order for me to watch uh, this game, because MLB has stupid blackout restrictions on MLB's app, that's a whole different uh, rabbit hole to go down where that's wrong and that shouldn't exist, but it is. So I had to watch the Marlins broadcast booth call this entire game. And Paul Severino is a fun guy to listen to uh, from MLB Network, so I've always enjoyed listening to him. They were going so nice against DeGrom and like complimenting him. And how could you not? And they felt so bad for him. Like they really did. I honestly felt like I was watching a Mets feed with how complimentary and how bad they just felt for him. Because the guy goes eight innings, one run, 14 Ks, and gets the loss. It's like I said, it, I think we're numb to, to it at this point. Like you could throw out all the stats how the Mets are like 28 and 34 for DeGrom starts where he gives up like one run or, or less in his last, however many starts that is since like 2018. Um, like I've seen all these stats so many times that I'm like, yeah, like I love watching DeGrom pitch, but just the overall Mets experience and the, 
the hitting behind the mess. It's just so, so frustrating every single time. And this is going to be the same kind of recap whenever we talk about the Grom start, it feels like, where it's like the Grom was great. The Mets offense couldn't hit. We that, like, what was the point of, of all that? We just wasted another, another opportunity. Even, even Luis Rojas said that that was a wasted start uh, in this post-game press conference. So just uh, another frustrating DeGrom start for, for the Mets. And then I will say this too, uh, Taylor Rogers looked great for the Marlins, but uh, another random lefty dominating the Mets is nothing new. You mean Cliff Lee? Pretty much. Yeah. Or CC or. Cause this guy was hitting corners with, with 96, 97. I mean, don't get me wrong. Taylor Rogers actually looked really, really good. Um, but that being said, like, like exactly what you just said, another random lefty just facing this Mets lineup and just carving them up, carving them up. Like they are struggling mightily when these like random no-name lefties come. Like I, I'm nervous when we actually get like a Patrick Corbin against us because we might get no hit. Yeah, I'm, I'm expecting when we face the Dodgers and Kershaw's pitching, they're going to have a perfect game. The Mets are going to get a negative hits in that game somehow. I don't know how that's possible, but in the game against Kershaw, they're going to have negative hits. Actually, no, I got like Kershaw's an actual named lefty. So it's got to be someone completely random. So whatever no name comes up for like the Pirates that to come pitch one game for them when we play them uh, is going to no hit us. That's going to be a really sad June like that. Yeah. That's going to be like a like a, a dreary June afternoon where the Pirates no hit the Mets. Yeah, I'm not I'm not looking forward to it, but I, uh, I'm preparing myself already right now. So. Um, I got a couple of things I got to bring up just like an overviews of kind of what we've seen through these, these series. Uh, we're going to talk about the runners in scoring position later in the episode, but they left just in general, they left 45 men on base uh, throughout these first five games. And I'm, I'm no math guy, but that just seems like a lot. Yeah, no, it's even, even us. We're not, we're not big time, uh, big time knowledge boys here. Not big time math gentlemen. But you, that you can't expect to win games like that, leaving that many runners on um, or just not being able to hit in, in big situations. Um, but it, it's tough. We're going to we're going to we're going to go more into it later. We have uh, an interview. We're going to bring on uh, Jolly Olive. Um, if we didn't mention it before, he's going to come on. We're going to talk more about uh, some of these series and the Mets this first week, along with his his YouTube and, and Twitter and Twitter stuff. But we also had uh, another kind of game. It, it started on, on, on Sunday where it was the rain out with just a, a baffling decision to, to even start that game when it was, everyone said it was like not raining as hard when it was starting, but once the game started, it was just an absolute downpour. And you basically wasted a Marcus Stroman start for that game. Um, so just an absolutely puzzling reason why you even started in the first place. Yeah, and we kind of mentioned it too. In that game, the Mets were um, the Mets dropped Conforto in the lineup. They took him out of the three hole and put him at seven. Um, so it showed that Rojas was willing to finally be like, okay, after the first five games, Conforto was struggling. We're going to drop him in the lineup and, and see if we get some run production. But as you mentioned, with the rain going, uh, the rain going, the Mets decide to, to, to chance it and go play. And Stroman out on Twitter kind of said like, he didn't like the idea of playing. Uh, he thought it was a bad decision that like, he didn't want to get his teammates or the other team hurt. Like he was like Lindor was standing in a puddle. Like it was just a bad idea to go out there and play that kind of game. And he was frustrated that he has to wait another five days now to pitch when he only threw like, I think nine pitches in, in the first game. And, and do I think the Mets will probably maneuver their rotation around where he doesn't have to wait 
five full days after throwing nine pitches. They probably will. I don't think they'll actually wait five full days for Stroman. I would be a little confused if we did do that. Um, but maybe he's a habit of routine and he'd prefer it. But I also didn't really like that ESPN like took Stroman's tweet out of context and then said like that he blamed the Mets. He never specifically blamed the Mets. He blamed like the umpiring crew and MLB for like allowing them to go out there and play that game. But he never said it was like the Mets fault that he did. So there was like a little misconception on Twitter. And I know Stroman was upset and frustrated with why it was like twisted around because that's not what he said or meant. So they were they were twisting his words around like he never flat out said, hey, like the Mets, like Mets, why do we start this game? Like He never flat out said that. He was like, why did this game start in the first place? But looking into more of the rules and like how a rain delay starts, because I never knew that until I looked into it a little more. It's the the discretion of the home team's manager, whether or not to start the game. Once the lineup card is submitted, that's when it's the umpire's discretion to, to call it. So in a, in a sense, yeah, it was, it was Luis Rojas said, let's, let's play this game. Let's start this game. And then the umps call. And then once the game starts, it's the umpire's decision to be like, Hey, let's, let's stop where this is like unsafe or let's wait it out. So he did, he never said it's the Mets fault, but he did say um, th- this game should have never started. So like, I guess indirectly, but no, the, the, the media, uh, ESPN, everyone was twisting his words, trying to say he's blaming the Mets in, in his tweets. But that's like, I didn't, I didn't know that that was the case until I looked into it uh, yesterday. Oh, that's pretty interesting. I mean, honestly, I, you telling me that is something that I really didn't know. Um, so if that were the case, I think I would be frustrated a little bit with like, if I was the Mets being like, well, maybe don't go out and say that. Cause you know, that we submit that thing saying that mm-hmm. we were okay to start the game. Rojas did say after the game that um, Stroman never like showed any concerns about wanting to go out and pitch. Um, so maybe that's something I don't really think that's a newsworthy story. I think that's something they can handle in house and move forward. It's not worthy of, of blowing up. Uh, but you know, New York media, we like a story. We try to grab everything and pull it more than it has to be. Um, but this is really a non-issue and let's just kind of move Push past that. Yeah. It's no need to dwell on stuff like that. Yeah. Now, um, this game's going to made up. I think they said in, in August, some, somewhere, I wonder if they're just going to be like, Hey, just scrap those first nine pitches and we'll just start from the beginning. But who knows? Um, but just in, in other kind of ancillary news before we get into our segment with with Jolly, um, J.D. Davis and Dylan Batances both go on the I.L. They must bring in Peraza, Jose Peraza from the alternate site to replace Davis and Trevor and Trevor Hildenberg to replace uh, Batances, who Batances just completely looked lost. Uh, I don't know if this is like a phantom injury. Like, hey, dude, you look kind of awful, but it's just give someone else a chance at this point. So. Real quick, too, we have Luis Rojas in this kind of first five games, and everyone loves to overreact. But is it an overreaction to say that you are unhappy with how he's managed them through these first five? No, I don't think it is at all. Just even between the lineups, uh, handling the bullpen, just kind of everything. It's it's leaving a bad taste in his mouth. And it's very ironic that the lineup that the Mets fans are most happy with the one of the first, like, yes, Rojas finally got the lineup, right. Was the, the rain out game. So that, that's just kind of a, a, a cruel irony, even though that, I, I don't know, like I said, you, you have had the take since the beginning that, that Rojas is going to be a big factor. If the Mets win or lose or win or lose this year, how they do this year. And so far not so great for him, but 
it's still five games into the season. I don't want to overreact. I still want to give him a chance. It's five games, but so far it's getting off to a bad start. Yeah, I've said this too. Like, I don't want to overreact. Like, I, I've obviously not been fond of Rojas, uh, even dating back to last season. I didn't even think he'd be managing the 21 uh, Mets. He is here doing it. I'm going to give him that opportunity. My biggest thing, and I've said this before, is that this is a really talented club with a lot of potential. Uh, there's not a lot of time for him to learn on the job. So he's got to kind of figure it out and go because if he keeps having these little hiccups and they cost them wins, you know, I'm going to be curious to see what, what happens with that and how long the leash is on Rojas. That being said, Dom Smith needs to be in the lineup every day unless he's hurt or gets like a day off. I don't give a shit if it's a lefty. He's got to be in the game. The fact that he wasn't in the first game of the season uh, was beyond frustrating. Uh, I guess he also has a little beef with Jeff McNeil because he's been batting McNeil really low in the lineup. That being said, McNeil only has one hit on the season. But I just I don't like those decisions. And, you know, we'll see what happens if, it, if these type of decisions cost them. I'm not going to harp too much on the opening day, pulling DeGrom after 77 pitches and all that stuff. You know, if they had the reasons, fine, whatever. Um, but I, I just want to see more consistency from Rojas. I'd like to see him take ownership for this, for like little hiccups here and there. And, you know, like I said, the bullpen and Rojas, those are going to be the two biggest things that could hold this team back. The bullpen looks a little shaky right now. And uh, Rojas's decision-making through first five games, also a little shaky. Does that, am I saying hit the panic button, freak out? Absolutely not. I'm not hitting that on either of them. I actually think Batance is going on the, the IL is better for the Mets bullpen going forward. I think they're going to be better with Hildenberg in there than Batances, believe it or not. So I'm okay with everything that's going on. I hope it works out still. Again, I'm not hitting the panic button on a two and three team. That's absolutely ridiculous. But Rojas has already made some questionable calls. And, you know, it is something to look at going forward. Yeah. Now, well, we're going we're gonna to talk more on it in our uh, stuff with, with Jolly Olive. That's going to come up uh, right in a minute. But, yeah, we can, uh, if you don't have anything else, we, let's uh, transition to that. O-L-I-V-E. All right, guys, so we are now joined by a very special guest, and it is Jolly Olive. You might be familiar with him, with his work on YouTube with over 15,000 subscribers now. That's absolutely ridiculous and still respectable on Twitter. You got like 2,000 followers on Twitter. So welcome to Scooter and the Big Man, Jolly Olive. Thank you guys for having me. I haven't, uh, I haven't done a podcast in a while, but as soon as you guys were in my DMs, I was like, this, is, this would be the one to break the spell. So I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, love that you're excited to be here as well. So. Talk to our followers who might not be familiar with you. Give like a quick overview. What do you work on? How can they listen to your content or consume Jolly Olive content? Uh, so I'm on YouTube as uh, Jolly Olive. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, it's mostly a baseball YouTube channel. Uh, I basically like to make videos about basically players that you might have forgotten about uh, from recent baseball history. I do things called uh, Monster Months, which are players that had standout performances in a single month. I do a deep dive in those guys. I also do uh, players we forgot about series where I kind of go over guys that had hot stretches and kind of fizzled out. And, you know, I go back and forth with my viewer base to see who remembers what and what players I should cover next. It's a very collaborative thing. Uh, we've been streaming a lot lately too. I've been playing out of the park baseball. So if you want to hit me up on Twitch, you'll find the link there. And then if you want to just hear me talk baseball, it's jolly underscore all of on Twitter, but I'm just a, a Mets fan, but a baseball fan above all else. And the past eight months, 
during quarantine has been really enjoyable for me because uh, the audience that has surfaced out of me just talking about baseball on the internet has been really supportive. So I'm thankful for all those guys. So if that, if any of that sounds like something that might interest you, definitely go uh, check out some of my stuff. I think you might enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. I give my vote of confidence too, because I am generally a big fan of uh, all the stuff you put on YouTube. I love, I love random players. So you're like your mm. series on like the, the random players. I remember watching that the first one you had, and I consider myself, like they said, a, a fan of random players. So I know right. a lot of them. And you had, it was like seven, seven or eight on. I usually on, do, yeah, seven or eight guys. Seven or eight. And I went to like the first two and I was like, who the, who the fuck is this guy? That's the goal. That's <laughs> yeah. the goal, baby. <laughs> but you you came up, you got, I got so excited when I saw Jeremy Hazel Baker. Mm-hmm. That was, was the like, one that I, a lot of people got. They liked that one a lot. I was like, yes, I know this one. I, yeah. I, I feel better about myself now, but go, go check out all of his, all of his content. But while we're segueing, with all your content, what would you say was the, the biggest, the, the one video that kind of blew everything up? Cause you have enough mm. followers right now to like fill like field level at city field. Like I know like you, you might want to be humble, Just but like, wild, but like 15,000 people, like that's a lot of fucking people. So it's pretty like, crazy. What was the first, like, Oh shit. Like I might be able to make like a lot off of this. That's a great question. Actually. Um, basically it was, it was, it was like, you know, like uh, foolish baseball said this. I'm sure you guys are familiar with him. If you're familiar mm-hmm. with me, uh, he said that the getting the first 1000 is the hardest part of starting a YouTube channel. And I wholeheartedly agree. And I think like only, only a couple weeks after I got my first 1000, I finally climbed the mountain. I made the video about uh, the conversation between Jacob DeGrom and Terry Collins after DeGrom got lit up by like a bad Texas Rangers team and was on the bench kind of sulking. And uh, it was Miss Met on Twitter, Shannon, that uh, plugged the video and it just like took off from there. I think now it sits at like 55,000 views, which is like the most I have on a video. So that video took off. And then I released a video about uh, Trent Grisham, who made the error in the 2019 wildcard game and then followed it up with a great year in San Diego. And when that video dropped, the Padres traded for uh, Snell and Darvish like the same day, like the same week. So that video took off too. So those two happened in a very short time from each other. And then as a result, the channel just kind of took off from there. So it was just, you know, kind of a happy accident uh, and it really worked out. Now things are going pretty well. That's awesome. Well, yeah, like I said, you're doing, doing a great job. I, I watched that actually Trent Grisham one, not, not too long ago. Um, but like you said, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that it dropped like once they made all of those trades. So yep. kind of just like you said, a happy accident, just happenstance at the perfect time for a Padres video to come out when they're through the out. roof. Yeah. yeah. So you, you can even make one now with David Peterson after like Lindor was giving him that little like pep talk in the dugout. Bit. In it was, it was if, sorry. It was very mirror esque, which I found very yeah. cool. Cause I, for, I forget who tweeted it first, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, Whoa, and I was watching the game the other day and GKR brought up the DeGrom conversation. And then they brought up John Buck in the, in the span <laughs> of like five minutes. And I was like, what's going on, man? What's going on here? <laughs> This is the stuff. second John Buck reference that we'll now have. Let's on this go. Episode. Yeah. John Buck was the John man. Buck a lot of love. Marlon right Bird who? John <laughs> Buck, baby. Let's John, go. Yeah, John Buck was very forgotten in his mm. very short tenure. I will never forget. 10 home runs in April, baby. Yeah. yeah. I'll never forget oh, baby. The, the video of him like with his arm around Harvey right after mm. Tommy John, like where he like oh. he pulls him in nice and tight. I'm like, oh, my heartstrings, my heartstrings, man. It gets you. I get pulled. <laughs> well, we're talking a lot about your your videos, and you were very kind of analytically driven in some of these videos. Am, am I right in saying that? I I don't kind of my own for because there are definitely other other guys in the platform that have that base of knowledge a little bit better than I do. But at, since starting the channel, I think that I've grown a lot more comfortable with the analytical side of baseball. That's what okay. I'll say. 
So, so we're more eye test guys. Sure. We, we see what's on the field, batting average, home runs, runs. So uh, I want you to a very simple thing, uh, explain analytics to us. Okay. Wow. If anything that, anything that has a plus in it, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Okay. Just, well, just that's an, actually a just good an overview. Yeah, baseline. absolutely. Okay. So we'll, we'll start with, I think your, your core essentials here. And I think this, this will be beneficial to pretty much any of you, or even if you're not a Mets fan, uh, plus stats, I think are, are great in terms of just gauging, uh, the value of a player. Basically I'm going to use OPS plus as an example, cause it's probably my favorite offensive stat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are familiar with OPS, I assume. Is that yes. right? So OPS is on base percentage plus slugging percentage. Usually if a player can get above uh, 0.8, 0.800, that means they're doing a pretty good job with the plate. OPS plus is even more accessible than that because basically if a player is at 100 for their OPS plus, that means they are perfectly league average, meaning that they maintain the league average stats in that term. And if a player has like, say, a 125 OPS plus, that means that they're 25% better than the rest of the league in terms of that spat, stat specifically. Okay. They also have this for batting average, OBP, slugging percentage. You can find this all on fan graphs. So I think if you're trying to gauge uh, an analytical side of a hitter and see how they're doing early on in the season or later in the season, OPS plus is your best bet there. Uh, you can get a little bit deeper into stuff with like home run fly ball rate and other stuff like that. But I think OPS plus is a good place to start. Uh, for pitchers, pitchers, it, it, it gets a, a little bit more interesting. I think, you know, you're totally fine with your ERA, your fielding, independent pitching, your whip, what have you. Uh, I, I personally like looking at K percentage and walk percentage and baseball savant stuff and stuff like that. Uh, but I think, you know, plus stats are a good start to good place to start for your hitters. And I think pitchers, you know, you have to kind of get a little bit more in depth with pitchers if you want to really dive into the, the more analytical side of things. I don't have a good one to bounce off the top of my head. But I think if you're familiar with the, those core three, and as long as you're not, you know, gauging pitcher success by pitcher wins, then you're no. doing a fine job. Okay. So I want you to see if you can help me with this then. So we're just talking about, <laughs> I have like a specific one written down. Sure, totally. All right. So like we're talking like with war. So mm. I was going through baseball reference today, just going through some of like the Mets stats so far this season. Uh, we'll talk about some of the runners and scoring position stuff in a little bit. But I see next to Lindor that he has a <laughs> 0.2 war. Okay. How do you accumulate war and, and how do they like decide like, okay, 0.2, how do you get war? Okay. So (laughs) I'm, I believe that it is Byron Buxton. That is the only player that has accumulated 1.0 war at least, or at most so far in the season. But basically war, war is great. And there's a a ton that goes into it that I, I can't rattle off the top of my brain. But it's probably the best stat we have because it's all encompassing of how a player performs. So Francisco Lindor's 0.2 war means that he's contributed uh, 0.2 games worth of wins to the Mets season. Now, his is going to be a little bit lower than, say, like, I don't know, uh, a Bryce Harper or something like that because Bryce Bryce's Phillies has played every game this season. Lindor's missed some games, and the more games you play, the higher or lower your war can be. Because war is a continuously uh, building stat or, you know, depreciating stat if you're not playing well. But it measures your base running, uh, your sprint speed, uh, your batting average, OPS, all that kind of thing, how hard you're hitting the ball, stuff like that. So basically, if you're playing well on all sides of the ball, and we all know that Lindor can with his, you know, platinum glove at shortstop and stuff like that, then you're a good candidate to have a really positive war. I think that if you accumulate like three or 4.0 war in a season, you're doing a fantastic job. If you get more into like that five to seven range, you're like all-star caliber. And if you get into that eight to even 10 range, you're getting towards the Mike Trout level. I believe Mike Trout's 
war from the 2019 and 2020 season combined was 11.0 because I did that for one of my streams. So that is about as good as it gets. Wow. I feel so much smarter now. I'll be honest. There you go. There you go. So like Mike Trout was responsible for 11 wins over those two seasons is what that means. Yeah. And I know, I know that war is kind of like a, is also just a, uh, a good measurement of hall of famers too. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, you don't want to like go off uh, batting average for different ranges of like, you know, baseball history. Cause you know, the game changes a lot. It evolves over mm-hmm. time. But I think war is one of the more consistent ones you can look at. I feel like our listeners are probably like, just like laughing to themselves right now, PJ, because like they, they know how like you and I are like, where it's all like, <laughs> we see it, we say it, there's really not too much of like a deep dive on it. So this is, this is good. We're trying to grow right now. We're I'm using glad I can probably, help, man. He's yeah, gonna, we're going to grow our knowledge here. It we're we're expanding at first, but as long as you try, that's all you need to do. Yeah, that's that. I want to. I want to expand my 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 knowledge because the, the like I said, the the plus, the minuses, any any sort of non actual like letters and the lowercase, it all freaks me out. <laughs> all right, so but, you, using all this knowledge, how nervous should I be with the Mets situation with having like a one point four six batting average, batting average with runners in scoring position? Yeah. Uh, so. We the two like namesakes of the Mets during my time being a fan of them have been poor hitting with runners in scoring position and bullpen blows. The left on base uh, for the Mets so far is definitely concerning, but it's it, it's a po- it's a double edged sword is the way I like to think about it because if you have a lot of guys left on base, that means you're getting a lot of guys on base in the first place, which is the first step to scoring runs. You don't want to be a home run strikeout two outcome team because that's kind of how you lose a lot of games, especially when you're facing good pitching. Uh, Nimmo's been doing a great job getting on base. We know that Pete's been tearing the cover off the ball. Lindor will get hot once he can play like two games in a row. <laughs> um, so if the guys are getting on base, we all know that like Conforto's had a really rough start to the season. James McCann doesn't look good. JD Davis is injured. So as long as you're getting the guys on base, that's the first step to, you know, getting hot and being able to score runs consistently. And the Mets are doing that pretty much inning by inning. I mean, if we, if we look at the, uh, the Florida game before the DeGrom one, I believe they had a runner on and like a, run, a runner in scoring position in like six of the nine innings or something like that and just couldn't put it together. So, I mean, as concerning as their batting average with runners in scoring position is, the fact that they have as many opportunities as some of the best teams in the league is still a good sign. I, I like that positive spin that you're, that you're kind of, that you kind of put on that. Like, yeah, they're not scoring, but like they're there. Like it's, yeah. they're going to, the hits are going to fall. Everything is going to fall eventually. At least you right. hope so. Right. Uh, especially with like guys like Lindor, Conforto, McCann. Um, we, we as Mets fans know that there's so much overreaction so early on all the time. That's like, guys, we're, we're there. They're, they have the guys there. We just, we'll put it together eventually. The, this five starts games. Stop. Exactly. Five games. They're two five. and three. They're not even like, oh, and five. No, or one two and three. <laughs> they're two they and probably three. should be three and two, but they blew the DeGrom start. But you yeah. know, that's nothing new. Yeah. We're, we're very much used to that. But how much of this are you like contributing? Like, we we've seen uh, Luis Rojas. We saw what he was last year. It was kind of a weird season. I I we kind of gave him a, a pass a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're like, hey, all right, now you have a full off season. You have your your team. Let's see what you can do. And not overreacting, like we said, but through five games, it hasn't looked the best. At least from yeah. from our eyes, with the batting orders, um, just kind of general decision making. What are your your thoughts on him as a manager so far this this season? Is this something we should be concerned about? So I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys on the fact that you can't gauge the success of a manager through 60 games. I think if they canned Luis Rojas, it's just a bad sign by management. 
I know that Cohen and co obviously wanted to overhaul Brody's regime and they did that pretty successfully, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to can the manager. So I'm glad that, you know, Luis is an in-house guy. I'm glad that he's getting another nod at least for a full season. Uh, with that being said, uh, I, I personally think that the leash is tight on Rojas and I think he knows that, but he's playing it cool. He's a lax dude. He's very uh, cool and composed. Um, with that being said, I don't love the constant shifting of lineups and stuff like that. I thought that uh, some of his pinch hit uh, uh, decisions have been a little peculiar. The one that pops in my mind is a uh, VR after we choked the game on opening day against mm-hmm. uh, Philly. I thought that that was a peculiar choice because that put us in a two out hole pretty quick. Um, he has bench pieces and I think that getting scooter out of the three hole for the time being is the right move. But other than that, I don't think there needs to be a lot of shifting parts in the bat in the uh, batting order. I think you bat Dom third and that's totally fine. Uh, it's just been a lot of, I, I I'm worried that he might overuse Miguel Castro. I'm worried that he's not putting Jerry's familia in spots where he can be successful. I think familia is a middle relief kind of guy. And when you throw him in the ninth inning, even when you're down, it's a bad idea. We know that. So early on, a couple questionable decisions. I know that, you know, the gears are still kicking in and stuff like that. But the, I, I fully believe with Cohen at the helm, the leash is tight. And, you know, Rojas can't afford to make too many mistakes. And the Mets' schedule, like most of the NLE's teams, is tough at the early goings of the season. So if we find ourselves at the end of May, five or six or even ten games below 500, I think that, you know, it's going to be chopped off and we're going to be looking somewhere else. But I don't want that to happen because I really like when in-house guys find success when they finally reach the top level. So I'm rooting for Louis Rojas. I just don't know if it's going to work out. No, I mean, I completely agree. My, my take on that was honestly, I was a little harsher. I really didn't like what I saw of the 60 game season. I was personally going back even further. I was really excited for Carlos Beltran mm. um, to be the manager of this team. And I'm looking at this roster as, especially in 2021, this team might not be together for a long period of time. This could be a one year with this core team. We don't know what right. Conforto, Stroman, Syndergaard, et cetera. We don't know what's going to really be happening with all that. So it makes me nervous to potentially have the wrong guy in that seat, knowing that this core is, in my opinion, I think they are a championship caliber core. So it does make me nervous. That's why like, I'm very similar with you. Like it's a tight leash. Like we we can't fall too far back because you know, with these other powerhouses, like, and I'm not sleeping on the nationals. I don't care if they're one and five. I've been very high on them. That rotation is too good. They're proven Mm -hmm. like, and they, they have all the cub refugees now too. So, I, I was definitely uh, less high on the Nationals uh, when I did uh, like my little Annalise predictions. I was much more high on the Marlins, actually, uh, just on account of their lineup, a couple of platoon, nice options there, young rotation. Bullpen was my main concern, and obviously that's been the main concern for them throughout the first week. But, you know, I mean, the NLEs top to bottom is competitive, and I could honestly see any of these teams making a wild card or taking the division. I don't know about, you know, maybe the, Bra- the Marlins or Nationals taking the division. I think they're more wild card caliber. Mm-hmm. But like I said before, every one of these teams has a tough go throughout the first month and a half of the season. So uh, you don't want to fall behind early. You really yeah. don't. I was in the same boat as you with like the, the Marlins. I, I was a little more higher on them than, than most people were. Um, I, don't th- I just, in more of the sense that I don't think they're a pushover, a pushover mm-hmm. team anymore. Like I said, the bullpen is concerning. Their hitters are streaky, but that young core of, of rotation pieces is, is something to watch. And I'm scared going forward, especially right. when they get like a 6 Sanchez back. But mm. I have them at a third place finish right now. I mean, I, I, I'm that may that my confidence may sway in that as the season goes on, but preseason on paper stuff, I had the Marlins very high. What is your expectations for the Mets this year? 
Mm. Uh, so I have the Mets as a, a top five team in MLB, a smidge above the White Sox. I have them in that echelon. Um, with that being said, I, I still believe the Braves are, you know, the daddy of the division. I don't want to sell them short to, just yet, even though Max Fried hasn't looked great and they've had some controversial games, especially the one that happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still believe, you know, they're the most cohesive unit and they've proven that they have chemistry. The Mets are a fantastic team on paper. You could argue even better than the Braves on paper, but they've yet to prove that they can put it together on the field. Also in part because we've played five games and had five games canceled. So you can't really get into a groove when that's going on. But uh, I think we'll have a better gauge of this come like the end of May and we'll really see like what this team is capable of and if we need to make a move at the trade deadline, if that's the case. But right now I have Braves and then Mets and then Marlins and then Phillies and then uh, Nationals, last place. Okay. Yeah, well, now talks about the Mets. I want to know, like you said, we mentioned before, random players. Mm. Who, who's your favorite random player? Well, it doesn't have to be the Mets. Could just be all of the MLB. Mm. Who, who's the guy that you just like that name just sticks out to you and you just love them for one reason or another. Would you want a, a current guy or a, it can be anyone, anyone you want. We, yeah, we had, uh, we, we had um, our uh, good friend uh, Dylan Hornick on the show. He said, Damien Easley. Uh, Damien Easley is a pretty good one. That was his guy. So I'll, I'll, I'll give the you random you can think of. Okay. I'll, I'll give you a, a Matt and then just a major league guy. Okay. So I, like I, got, I got, I got a few rattling in my head. My favorite like random met that I wanted to be a stud has to be Fernando Martinez. Mm, um, that's a deep cut. Yeah, it's a deep cut. I, I remember like in his like second game, he popped out to the infield, didn't run it out. They dropped it. <laughs> they threw it out to first. And I was like, this guy's going to fit in perfectly. here. <laughs> he is made for this team. I love him. He fits uh, the mold. Yeah, he fit the mold perfectly. Dude had serious pop, just never really put it together. Another one of those guys could be like Jordani Valdespin, but he was a bit more of a head case. I wasn't as attached to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then all around the major league horn, uh, it would probably, and this also is a Met, so I guess this also counts as a Met. I was a really big Eric Young Jr. guy. I'm I'm a big fan of speedsters and a a big fan of crafty pitchers. That's why I like Rich Hill so much. But uh, I loved Eric Young Jr. when we got him for Colin McHugh, I believe, is who we traded there. Uh, we got him from the Rockies. Dude stole like 50 bags. He was like mm-hmm. the first stolen base leader since Jose. I really liked him. He never really put it together at the plate all that well, but I, I loved watching him play. That's my second answer. It's kind of like a, like a Billy Hamilton type where he couldn't, he didn't really get on as much, but when he got on, he was stealing a base always no matter stealing. what. Always, yeah. always. He was a yeah. really likable guy. He was mm. just so likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always, always a nice, like any kind of story or anything on like social media I've ever seen him or post-game stuff. Like he was always just like, the, the coolest, nicest human being you possibly get. He was really good with the media, too, I remember. It's a shame that his dad coaches for the Braves. I was just about to say He coached yep. for the Mets, but, you know, can't funny, have everything. Funny story, actually, now that you brought up uh, Eric Young Sr. I'm mm-hmm. uh, pretty sure he used to be, like, the, the batting coach or, or something with, with the Diamondbacks. And this had to be, like, 2014, maybe, mm-hmm. where I went to Diamondbacks-Mets games. And I don't know why he was doing this, but he was just rocketing balls off the out uh, at the outfield wall at City Oh, he's in them like BP or whatever. Just like, like by, no, just like literally by himself, just rocketing balls off the wall. What for beast. no for no reason during batting practice in in like left field. I was just watching like what the fuck is he doing? Man, it's it a hilarious. generational family, man. Yeah, fresh. Yeah, no, it was it was it was quite quite the sight. <laughs> like I I always think about it. it always sticks out in my head. I don't know why, but mm. that's an autograph I'd like to get. I don't. Me too. Hmm. I try. I try to. I think he was just like, ah, oh, no. Nah, He's I, in the zone, man. He's too busy. What's yeah. the best in stadium autograph you've ever gotten? This one's kind of just random. I have Gio mm. Gonzalez 
the year he almost won Cy Young with the Nationals? Or did oh, he so win that Cy had Young? to be no, he didn't win Cy game. Young, but I remember he got like top three. That yeah, was, was the Dickey year, actually, because Dickey won. It was yeah. Dickey, Kershaw, mm-hmm. and then Gio. So um, he, he was like dancing in the outfield at City Field, and like he randomly came over to a group of Mets fans, signed for everyone. Nice. It was like right before the playoffs started. So it was well, like, Gio grew up a Mets fan. I don't know if you knew that. He I wanted to sign. Yeah, he wanted to sign with us in the off season, uh, but we ended up not offering him a contract. I thought we should have gave him like a minor league nod, but he ended up going to the Marlins, and now he retired. So it's a little sad. I was like, yeah. Uh, on what? So it was on fields autograph. Yeah, yeah. One you've gotten in person. Probably it would be Tom Glavin then. Cause I was a little kid and it was, it was a bizarre memory too. I went to a game in like Oh six or Oh seven back when we were, you know, in the, in that era. And John Travolta was at Shea stadium for some reason. And him and Tom Glavin were like hanging out. And like, I think they were doing like something for press or whatever. And I was a little baby guy in the front row with my black Mets uh, jersey on mm-hmm. and everyone had their arms extended with balls. And he came up to me first. I remembered that. And I had my little Glavin jersey on. And then uh, he pitched, I think, like seven innings, two run runs. And I was like, that's my guy. That's my guy. But I, I, I was too little to know that he used to be an Atlanta Brave. I just yeah. had always thought he was a Met. Because I was like, when life. I first became a fan. So, you know, that was a little betrayal afterward. I feel that. BJ, you have a guy? Um, ooh, that's, I've, been to a lot, I've been to a lot of games. Mm. Um, the one that sticks out to me, I went to a, just a random Brewers game in Milwaukee. I was, I was over there. Uh, Chris Capuano, mm. just the mm. nicest human being of all time. He, he gave, for a little he, bit. Yeah, yeah, for a little bit. Um, he gave uh, me and my brother an autograph. And as we were walking by, he's like, hey, you guys want a picture with me too? Nice. And we're like, yeah, of course. Like being, we were like maybe like 10, I was like maybe 10 or nine or 10. My brother was like 13 or 14. Mm. And just like to see that, I was like, oh my God, this is the nicest person ever. When he came to the Mets, I was like, oh shit, I know this guy. I got a picture with him. It wasn't that it's great, gone. but you know, I was, I was always rooting for him. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Well, Jolly, we definitely appreciate the time. Once again, this was Jolly Alv. Check him out on YouTube, Twitter. He's putting out great content. Uh, he is a Mets fan. So if you are a Mets fan listener, please go check out his stuff on that. He, he's also, I, I love just like your normal Mets tweets too. Like just being a part of Mets Twitter is a special place. Uh, so if you're looking for more Mets Twitter's follows, go give Jolly Alv a follow. But thank you again, Jolly. We appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you guys for having me. All right, time for draft time, and we're joined by a very special guest. It's the other co-host of the Broadway Jets podcast, uh, very popular on Jets Twitter. Come to join them on Metsland on this side. It's NYJ Matt. Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Been a big fan since day one. I've been dying to get into one of these drafts. I'm ready to go. A lot of research. I spent most of my Sunday doing some prep here, and I think it's either going to go really good or really bad, so I'm looking forward to it. Just no in-between. No in-between. Honestly, so, after meeting Mike, I have like I feel like the bar for Matt is pretty high. Yeah, yeah. Mike did. Uh, Mike did the was on the draft last uh, last week. Uh, go check that out if if you haven't. We got we we thought oh we have one member of the Broadway Jets podcast. We gotta get the other one. Um, yeah, Matt, you have uh, some shoes to fill. Mike uh, absolutely annihilated us in the in the the polls. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So our draft this week, we're drafting animals. Take that how you will. Uh, it, it is a draft of animals. It is the animal draft, actually. The animal, animal. draft. Is animal the, draft. Okay. We want to keep this as vague as possible. Animal draft. It is the animal draft. You could, you could take it any direction you want. Um, Matt, I feel like PJ already knows this about me, but I, I want you to know. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to scare you in any way, shape, or form. 
maybe our, a lot of our listeners don't even know this. Um, I was definitely a weird kid growing up. I had like every, every fucking pet you could imagine. Um, so I, I listed them here just so you kind of know what you're dealing with. Uh, so we went from like turtles, three different types of birds. I had a hamster, guinea pig, sugar gliders, five snakes, four lizards, a dog. I got guinea pigs again when I was 18. That was a weird move. And then I got another dog once I moved down to Florida. All right. So like, I'm, I'm not trying to intimidate anyone, but this is like, this is kind of like my home turf doing like an animal draft. Like right now you're traveling, you're traveling to Buffalo week 17, trying to get into the playoffs. So, I, I mean, that's tough after what happened to the Jets in 2015, doing exactly that, which Mike did draft last week. But Brian, I have a question. The birds that you owned. Yeah. Are they the ones that could talk back to you in like, yeah. So I had an African gray. I don't understand. I don't think it's talked about enough that an animal can speak pure English back to us. It's yeah. like not talked about enough. Birds that do that are fucking crazy. And it's not even like mimicking too. Like they like kind of like process it and they're like, oh, this is, this is the next part of that sentence. It's, it's, it's terrifying when you're home alone oh, and like God. you're in the other room and you just hear like a full conversation and a man's voice in the other room and you're like, I'm going to fucking die. Like this That's is crazy. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But I just want to, I'm not trying to intimidate anyone, but I, you I'm, haven't, I'm feeling good, PJ. I'm feeling real good right now uh, when it comes to the animals. Brian, I, I do. I love your confidence. Maybe, maybe you'll get your second win. Who knows? I can't believe I have one win. We've been doing this for <laughs> fucking forever. I have one win. What uh, was the draft that you won, by the way? You remember? Uh, overrated things. Yeah, that was it. So what, what do we say the draft order? We're going to have Matt, Brian, myself. That's what we're going to draft that. If anyone has, if anyone has any other firsts before the draft, things they want to speak, speak now. Otherwise, Matt, you're on the clock. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. So when you told me it was annual draft, the first thing I thought of for no reason at all was as an East Coaster going out to California in and out burger, animal style. It is the number one thing I get when I go there. And I'm very plain. I eat a plain American cheeseburger every time I get it. I put nothing on it. But for some reason, I go to in and out I throw on the animal style. Secret menu, you kind of feel tough, even though everyone does it. That was my 1-1 one, one pick. And I think there are some obvious ones out there. But I, I, you know, I, I skipped ahead to those to get in and out at number one. I mean, honestly, this, this is going to be a, a little depressing on my part. The furthest West I've ever been is Tennessee. So I am a East coast guy. I've been everywhere on the East coast. I've never gotten to experience in and out. So I'm just, I'm going to have to take your word that it, that it's delicious. I've heard it's delicious. I just don't know. Maybe it's one of the overrated things. I don't know. Brian, talk to me about your experiences in Maine. Um, cold. I went to a teddy bear factory and uh, that's all I really remember. I think it was seven. Okay. I'm glad you actually... You're a man of your word. I thought you were just, you're just spewing, spewing shit there, but all right. Uh, I think that's a good pick. It's the, the, the secret menu. That is the worst kept secret of all time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now PJ, did you have that on your board? I didn't actually know, but this I, is a problem because I, no, Brian no, I never had it and you <laughs> weren't going to take it. So I could have had it in the fifth round. So you now I'm already, <laughs> I'm already in shambles you, right now. You can't look at it like that. <laughs> It's, it is a solid pick. I just, I just forgot. Like I had so many other things mm -hmm. running in my mind, but no, you, you probably could have waited. All right. What, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I like that. When you draft, you have to stay true to yourself and everything will work out. Take that from somebody who's one in 18. So yeah. no pandering here. Do you think PJ panders to get that win record he has? 
I think at times he panders, but overall, I think it's genuine. I mean, I'm a, he has like three or four genuine picks, but he definitely panders like for his first pick. So I'm curious listen, to we're, see what the first pick is going to be. We're, ta- we're taking the best. We're trying to take the best picks. Sometimes the best picks are, you know, a generalized pick. What do you want from me, Brian? We don't all take, oh, I'm not going to take all these fucking monuments or these seven wonders of the world like you and just be like, oh, it's a, it's a good pick. It's a different pick. No, it's a shitty pick. Listen, my first overall pick, well, my second pick, well, the second pick in the draft, my first round pick is going to sound like a pander picks, PJ. So you can criticize me all you want. Oh, it's dog. When, when we think of animal, I think of like, so what's my first pick when we're thinking of animal? I'm thinking of the greatest of all time. And that's the fucking goat. Like the goat mm-hmm. is literally the greatest mm-hmm. of all time. So how can I not pick the goat at number one? It's a good pick, Brian. I like that pick. Just it's on the wall. Like I can't, I can't go against it. It's it's telling me it's the greatest of all time. Everyone overuses that phrase. So number one pick is going to be the goat. Mm-hmm. No, that's a that's a good pick. It was on my board, so that was good. Matt, you have any thoughts? No, I like the pick. The video of the goat yelling is still an all-time video. <laughs> um, I had goat on my list. Uh, it's a good move. You, like you mentioned, the greatest of all time. Got to take it. The animal itself, I think it could be later in the draft, but I'm happy you took it there. It's a good pick. I'm going to take, you know what, Brian, you, you talked about staying true to yourself, and uh, you, you criticized me of pander picks. However, you say that most of my picks, I have at least one of a – a, a sport that people don't like that people criticize all the time for not being an actual sport and a nineties uh, cartoon. Um, so I don't know how that's pandering, but I'm going to take one of them. I'm going to take Santa's little helper from the Simpsons. Just the, 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 the greatest doggo of all time, the greatest pupper you, you'll, uh, you'll ever know. Santa's mm-hmm. little helper, a rescue dog. How can you not love him? I'm not going to lie. Um, this is not a secret. If you've listened to this show, I have really never seen an episode of the Simpsons. PJ keeps bodying all of us in these drafts every week, like week in and week out. This show must have like a fucking cult following and they just see his graphics and they just fucking like cream everywhere. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's a good pick, but uh, this guy wins every week. So it might be. Yeah, I didn't have it on my board, but PJ is true to himself because I know we've known each other for over 20 years now. Loves the Simpsons and the name Santa's Little Helper is an all time dog name. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great pick uh, in the first round. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, like I said, just staying true to myself. And this is also a Mets podcast. I am a Mets fan. Brian is a Mets fan. Matt is a Jets fan who in ancillary have other Mets fans that are Jets fans. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take the black cat that ran in front of the Cubs dugout in 69. It's a good pick. Just, just the absolute, just the turning point of the 69 season, the miracle Mets. You can, you can point to that. And that's one of the most famous cats of all time. Good pick. I can't, I can't dispute it. I can't argue with it. It's a Mets podcast, you know. Is he pandering to the Met fan listeners? Who's to say? Not me. No. Not trying to say he is. Just pointing out. Brian wrote a happen. whole blog about slandering my name in these drafts. You can check it out at scooterbigman.com. But <laughs> so, PJ, we're we're back to me here. And sure are. There's a lot of things that I I criticize you for, um, but I I definitely go after your love for the WWE, and I think I'm about to impress you. And I want to make you feel real good inside. And I, I know there's another route I can go here. But one of the greatest video games, personally, I've ever played was the uh, 2007 SmackDown vs. Raw. Mm-hmm. And on that soundtrack for that game, they had a song called Animal That I Have Become by Three Days Grace. And that song is such a fucking pumped up song. And you hear that song, you hear that guitar to start, that like, and you just feel it in your chest. 
I, I'm going to go it's Animal That I Have Become because like that's just a fucking fire hype song. Brian, I am happy that you picked the song from uh, WWE, which is a great game, by the way. GM mode in that game is, is fantastic. Play with your buddy. But I, I, I like the, the creativity of that pick. Yeah, and Brian, I like the pick too because I feel like every week PJ will have three good picks, one Met pick, and one WWE pick. And I think that might have taken his WWE off the board. Maybe it didn't, but I think it's a good pick. PJ, I'm on to you, and I'm, I'm curious to find out how you incorporate WWE into this draft. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I have, I have, I'll let you know this right now. I have two picks, or definite one pick that I'm going to take and I love, mm-hmm. and another pick that I'm, I'm, I'm feeling out. We'll see. Yeah. All right. But Maddie's back to you. Double right. picks here, Matt. This I'm is- excited about these two coming back to me. This uh, is your draft right here. Yeah, this is big. You know, we, we talked about a goat earlier on. I'm taking one goat. It's Tiger Woods. They're throwing the tiger in front mm. of his name, Eldrick. The, the greatest golfer of all time in our generation. I'm a big golf guy. The dude just went out there and changed the entire game. 16 majors, 80 PGA Tour wins. He's in the news for good or for worse, but every goddamn time, the guy's a head story. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Tiger. So I'm going Tiger Woods number two. As that is a very good pick. That is, uh, I, I can't say I'm shocked that, that you have Tiger because I know you're a big Tiger guy. Um, golf is just so much more fun when Tiger's involved. Oh, yeah. He took over a day of the week when football isn't on, wearing the Sunday red. It's a, it's a, a, a great dude, and I'm, everything off the course, I'm still backing him. So I'm a big fan. So we'll take him at two. And then on the wraparound, I'm going Airbud. I'm not going to go the cliche dog category. I was going to go Airbud, whether it's basketball, soccer, baseball, football. He's involved. I watched the clip earlier. I tweeted out the video of him getting tackled in Airbud Golden Receiver is one of the all time greatest movie moments. Comes across the middle, gets laid out by the safety, and he's down on the ground for like two minutes straight. So Airbud would be my third pick. And I'm, I'm feeling confident with those back to back. I mean, Airbud is arguably one of the greatest dogs of all time. And I mean, man's best friend. This is the first man best friend pick that we have besides PJ's. Mm-hmm. I just forgot that he picked the, a dog as well. Yes, but I did. I, w- I, I think Airbud is just fucking solid. Like that's a so many movies made after him. Just Golden Retriever, the staple of like the American dog is a Golden Retriever. Like that's just it's a good pick. Now for, for graphic purposes, which Airbud are you taking? <sighs> it's so tough, dude. It's so tough. Give me, give me the basketball one when yeah. he's like going up for the dunk. Like just yep. ridiculous. I want that that's one the right wearing choice. the blue jersey. Yeah, we'll go there. That's the right choice. That that's what I had in my head. I feel like that's the most iconic image of Airbud. And can I get a? I don't know if I'm. Who makes the graphic? Is it Pat? It's yeah, Pat. You, Pat takes requests. You could say whatever just, you want. I just don't want the Tiger Woods DUI photo. Like I think anything but <laughs> that. Give me like the Sunday red, like hands up with the win. Like I don't think I'd need a DUI put photo on that graphic. But we'll talk to Pat after. I've yeah. known Pat for a while. Uh, the fact that you requested a specific photo not be used, uh, I'm going to say it's probably likely now he might go that route. Just God <laughs> fucking damn it. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. He, he's currently suspended uh, without pay, which yeah. is which is a common theme on the show. Sus- um, suspended, but we'll do all the work. Just won't get paid for it. I like I like that we're going the dog route here. I feel like I gotta, I'm going to follow that through. Uh, so I'm going to have the third dog in the draft. So I want to make sure it's a good one. So I'm thinking of a three and I'm thinking of a dog. So I'm going to go Fluffy, the three-headed dog from Harry Potter uh, and the Chamber of Secrets. I mean, just Harry Potter is just one of those movie franchises that they're iconic. Obviously, it's based off the book. A spoiler alert if you didn't know that. Um, But just 
Yeah, mind fucking mind bottling. Fun Go fact. Ahead. Fun fact. I read the first four, and then I just switched to the movies after that. I think everyone did. I'm gonna get some hate. No, I, every time I tell that to people in person, they're like, "Oh, you gotta read the book." Fuck the dude, book, they got, dude. That got so much longer. I couldn't do it. Fuck the book. It's literally it's literally there on the movie. I can I can see it without without reading it. It's it's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, Fluffy the three headed dog. It's just a, a fucking iconic Harry Potter character. It is, uh, it's only in the second movie, I think, if I said uh, that wrong. It's only I in the first in the one. First it's one. the first one. Yeah. Is it the first one? Yeah. It's Sorcerer's Stone. The oh, yeah. He guards the Chamber of Secrets. No. He charged the, he, the Sorcerer's he, Stone. Yeah. He guards the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. It's through the bathroom. Uh, I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. But yeah, you the, are. The, graphic will have, the graphic will have Fluffy. And if you didn't listen and you're just voting off Twitter, they'll be like, oh, Harry Potter. But if you listen to it, they're going to be like, fuck him. So, you know, there's going to be a mix there. Nope. Brian, that's a, that's a solid pick. Not the, not the Harry Potter animal. The most, the, 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 well, what am I trying to say? The, the most well-known one, but a good pick nonetheless. Are you about to pick the most well-known one? No, I'm not. I'm just putting oh, okay. that there. And we're, we're not in the we're on the, the space giveaway picks here. That's just that's just nope. draft we're, rules. We don't give away picks. We're in the trust tree. I kind of wanted to take this this later, but I'm going to take it now, just because I want to. We we've went dog the last couple picks, and that's all well and good. Well, I'm going to keep going with that trend. Uh, I'm going to take dog the bounty hunter. Mm. Just uh, just go with Christ, brah. The um you know. I have not watched a ton of Dog the Bounty Hunter, but the episode of South Park where Cartman tries to be Dog the Bounty Hunter is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, he, he, I don't know, Dog is just such a fucking oh, a wild card. Do whatever you want. I, I saw someone like, oh, just, I don't know, Dog the Bounty Hunter. I don't really know where I was going with that. Is he still alive? Yes. His, his, wife, his wife died, though. Got it. There's always like a random, I feel like every once a year, someone puts out like a fake dog, the bounty hunter died on Twitter. Mm. And like, I got to go do like a little bit of like searching just to double check. And I didn't know if the last search that I did, if he was actually still around. So happy to hear that. Yes. He's, he's last time I checked, he's very much alive. All right. That's good. My next pick. Mm, I will take. I'm going to take the song. I, Brian, you took a, you took a song. I'm going to take a, the song Animals by Maroon 5. Ooh. Can you sing it? No. I, uh, Pack and Splice it in the, the music here. He's not going to do that, so you might as well just sing it. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. I thought you were going to go Animal by Kesha. Sorry to give out a future pick, but that's like a big, big song. When Kesha, the Animal Kesha song, like when I was trying to pick a song, I was like, I had like three in front of me. Mm-hmm. Is anyone else picking a song? Can we talk about songs real quick? I'm not picking another I'm song. I'm not taking one. All right. So I went, uh, I was looking at like Savage Garden, the animal song, like from like 1999. If you haven't heard it, you listen to the first five seconds of those drums and you're feeling, you're feeling some kind of way. <laughs> uh, but it is a vintage, a vintage movie, uh, a vintage song from a movie. Right. Um, but it's a good song. Yeah. When I, when I was thinking of like animal song to, to pick, I had a, like I said, no, no one else, no one else is picking a song, right? No, no one else has a song in the draft. Clear songs. Okay. Uh, shocked that it was on my board, but I wasn't going to take two songs. No one was going to take Baby Shark. It was oh, that, and, that and Animals were the, the, two, the two songs that came to my mind. I was like, I just dislike the Baby Shark song, so I'm going to take Animals, which is actually kind of a banger. I feel like Baby Shark is a really good pick, but so many people now hate that song yes. that people would see it and get mad. Yep. Yeah, and if your demographic of people that listen are like kids under five years old, maybe it plays to that graphic and that demographic, but I feel like you can't take it to like the 1824 baseball fan range. So I think it's a good move not to take that. 
Also, who wasn't on Brian? Who wasn't on the Nationals that came out to Baby Shark? Oh my God, I know this. It was like one of their random reserves players that Pat was obsessed with. No, uh, well, no, it wasn't Kurt Suzuki. No, I know it wasn't. Oh God, he's still on the team. It was um. Well, we'll look this up. I'm getting it right now. Just uh, because just, th- that was that also went to my thought process. This being our main demographic is Nets fans. Right. Uh, seeing a Nationals thing like that would be. I got it. Uh, it's Gerardo Parra. Gerardo Parra. Yeah, he's, yeah. I don't think he's still on the team, but yeah, no, I, I remember that. Fuck that song. Fuck him. Fuck the Nationals. Pat's a diehard National fan too. Uh, hope he's enjoying the one and five start. Uh, anyway, uh, PJ, you go again, or is that your second? No, pick? I had I took um, Dog the Bounty Hunter and then Animals. All right, so I'm I'm here in a tricky spot because I I'm trying to figure it out. I like a lot of the stuff I have left. Um, I'm gonna go a little bit of the safe route. This is gonna be a little bit of a homer pick, but I, it is true to my heart. I know exactly what you're taking. What am I taking? Say your pick, and I'll tell you if I'm right. Oh, now now I well, that's how am I gonna know? Because I'm gonna tell you. I'm not gonna. Let's lie. say it at the count of three. We'll say it together. No, because I don't want to give away a pick if it's wrong. All right, fine. All right. Uh, my pick, number fourth pick, is just going to be Animal Kingdom at, uh, at Disney World. Animal Kingdom, probably one of the most underrated theme parks uh, out there. And honestly, if you're going down to Orlando and you got to like power rank the four parks, Animal Kingdom might be that one seat. If you've ever been to Disneyland or uh, Disney World in Florida, Animal Kingdom is fucking fire. Like the safari, you got Everest. It's kind of shaded. You see some cool ass animals. They got that whole new Pandora shit that's like all up in like the sky and stuff. Like that's just a cool place to be. Uh, so I'm gonna go Animal Kingdom number four. Strong pick, very strong pick on my board. You walk in, you see that huge tree the moment you step into the park. Everest is a top three ride at Disney, so I think it's a, a, a slam dunk pick. Maybe I would have taken that in the fifth round um, if it came back to me, but great pick. I thought about it. I, I was I was hesitant if I wanted to reach at four, um, but I knew I wanted it on the board. So I had to I had to go get it. Not not what I thought you were taking. So I'm glad I didn't give away a pick by by saying. Um, but that that is a good pick. Uh, Animal Kingdom does kind of seem to get not the love it deserves. I think because when you think Disney, you're thinking Magic Kingdom. Um, I I'm very partial to to Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. If I'm being honest, that's my that's my one one. Um, but Animal Kingdom is is great. Like like Matt said, Everest is a top three Disney ride, and I don't think there's any doubt on that. Yeah, for sure. Matt, back to you. Matt, finish it. These are use your last back picks. Back. Yeah, uh, I'm really happy with getting you know animal style in and out, Airbud, Tiger Woods. I'm going off the board here. I don't think a lot of people have it. I'm going a, a Danimal. Like you, you guys, <laughs> you guys remember when you were younger and you'd be outside playing. You come back inside and there's a fucking Danimal in the fridge. It's unbelievable. PJ's laughing, but I I used to have the strawberry banana Danimal. I would have like five of them and there'd be a six pack. And my mom would want to kill me and be like, you have two other brothers. We just went to the store and bought them. How could you drink five? And I would always get sick from them. And then I realized I was allergic to bananas like five years later. <laughs> but then they had like the blue one with the polar bear, blueberry. Danimal, I have a drink on the board now. I think it was great. Brian, ever have a Danimal before? I have. And I I love the pick. I really can't even <laughs> argue that. Like it, it's a little outside the box. You're saying it wasn't on your initial list? Did no, you just come w- up? It was, I just didn't know if like enough people who listen to the pod, like, is it just a Northeast thing? Do people in Ooh. the middle of the country have a Danimal? I don't know. I, I hope so. Yeah. I really hope. Yeah, I, I hope so. I was laughing because it's, it's hilarious. And I didn't, I didn't think it's a good pick. Yeah, no, I used to, I also used to just slurp down Danimals all the times. Dude, horror story real quick. When I was like 
ate my brother to sleep over with his older friends. And I walked up at two in the morning. My fridge was wide open. Now like, this is weird. Shut the fridge. There's like a six, two kid behind it. Just drinking a blueberry Danimal, Timmy Donahue. Unbelievable. It was the scariest moment of my life. It traumatized me. And the, while I was going through the draft, I was like, this is a terrifying pick, but I have to, you know, conquer my fear and take the best on the board. It's good to talk about it sometimes. Good to talk yeah. through your traumas. I think it's going to work out for you too. I feel like it's a good pick. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm, I'm on the wraparound here. I, I have 11 I could take, but I'm saying true to myself. And it's one of my all-time favorite videos. The meme of the guy saying, I'm a snake. Mm. <laughs> so he has the snake hat on and he just keeps saying, I'm a snake back and forth and like slithering back and forth. It is the all-time video. I think he has like 50 million views on YouTube. Probably like nine years old. I can't wait on the graphic. And the only reason I'm doing it is for the graphic of just that, <laughs> that dude with the snake hat right in the middle of it. Very excited about that pick at five. The fact that you're going to have that <laughs> like chubby dude with the snake hat and then Tiger Woods like DWI photo in the same graphics is going to be wild. <laughs> and a Danimal. And a Danimal. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a hilarious graphic. That, yeah, is, that is a great pick at five. That's, Matt, you it's were a, a little steal. nervous going in. This, that was a great draft. Yeah. Thank you. I'm excited to go through honorable mentions too to find out who we left off. I mean, this is where PJ, PJ knows this personally too. Like I find myself in this spot every single week where I have a pick where I feel like is a, a Homer pick and that I'm pandering. And then I have a pick that's so genuine to what I am and what I do back to back weeks. I've went to the picks that have made me happy mm -hmm. and I've lost like dramatically. And I, I, I can't, I can't do it this week. I'm going to pander here and I'm hand up. I'm admitting to the pander. If we write a blog about like a draft analysis, I want to know, I want that in the analysis that I am admitting that this is a pander pick going for the win. I'm going to say during quarantine, this video game struck the nation by storm. Everyone was fucking obsessed with it, building their fucking islands. We're going to go with animal crossing, animal crossing on Nintendo switch was all the rage uh you have you everyone was kind of like making fun of certain people and then you would try it for like a little bit and you'd be like oh fuck like you know i kind of want to change that with my island or maybe i'll just you know get some more bells or pick some fruit off the trees and then out of nowhere eight hours passes and you're just trying to like customize the entire world you're flying trying to get your like neighbors and everything and it, you get hooked on that shit i got hooked on it i was making fun of people the entire time, my mother, who doesn't know how to use any technology, shout out, mom, I know you listen, love you. Um, but she was obsessed, obsessed with Animal Crossing. And it, it's, I, 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 it's not that much of a pander because I was part of the wave, but Animal Crossing is going to be my number five. The Animal Crossing is a great game. Like the GameCube game, that's the only one I played. I didn't play like the, the, the Switch one. Don't. Um, no, just You'll, don't get invested in it. You won't leave your house. And I know it sounds like a joke, but you're going to have like a two-week period where your life is over. It wasn't the, when you said uh, the, during the pandemic, I was thinking something else mm. animal related. That's a good pick. That would, but that would have been a pander pick. Um, I'll say it for honorable mentions, even though it's my only my pick left, but Matt, do you have any thoughts on animal crossing? I do. It's a fantastic pick. They used to have animal crossing for the DS and I'll, quick story time. I'll, I consider myself to be a man of faith, Tom Brenneman. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done something as horrible as I did in animal crossing. I used to go to the forum and tell them that I'm from Animal Crossing. I'm going to take a picture of all of their stuff and like post it on the website. So I'd go to someone's Animal Crossing world and I'd make them lay out their golden shovels, their golden axe. I would be like, put everything out there. 
my buddy who lived up the street would stand outside by the train station. The moment he touches the train station, it auto saves and we leave. I would pick up all of the shit. I would say, dude, leave. He'd run out and we would take all of their shit. Oh, it was one of the worst things I've ever God. done. And I think about it like monthly that I went back and did it. Man, you animal. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Matt, PJ, your number five pick, Matt, <laughs> the animal who, who robbed innocents of their Animal Crossing loot. Horrible. There's, there's just people just <laughs> wanting to to fish and, and, and dig up treasure and match like, nah, fuck that. Fuck I'm, all, I took all of their shit. I'm telling you right now, like you might like years, years down the line, like you might get like kidnapped and murdered and <laughs> like, they're going to be like, you're going to be like, why? Like, I need to know why they're going to be like, you fucking took everything from me. And now I deserve gonna it. You, they're going to show you, you what are. they, yeah. Yeah. Shout out there. There we go. Yeah. Mm. We're on a roll right now. PJ, PJ, finish this draft. Now we all, we all love our own animals. Uh, that that's, that's the ones that, that that take us um so brian this is this is gonna hit close to home for you it might be a bad pick but i i, I like i like the bit uh brian i'm gonna take your dog louie oh wow right can you get can you get him in the room here uh i i mean i can he's he's off to the side here he's, he's taking a snooze well wow. i need to i need to present him with his, his hat and his jersey right. can you stall i could i'll bring him over yeah i can right. stall give me some um, stalling yeah PJ, brian, have you ever have you ever met louie <laughs> I lived with Louie. Oh, true, true, true. Okay. True. I, I lived with him for, for a good portion of, of his, of his uh, tiny years. I've taken care of him. I, uh, no, I'm very, uh, I'm very familiar with Louie. And that's why I know I've done my scouting. There he is. I've done my scouting. I know, I know what I'm getting. I know what he's worth. <laughs> he's his good boy. He is a good doggo. He is a good boy. The, the problem is, Louis Louis weighs seventy five pounds and he's a like a chocolate lab like mutt, uh, and he was just completely passed out. So he's not really cooperating at the moment. But here he is for uh, no one that can see this because it's a podcast. But well, I need yeah. I need Matt to know who I'm taking. Oh, that's fair. Great pick, Louis. Looks like a great dog. I don't know if that's like a that's like almost dishonorable for for yeah. Brian to take his dog in a draft. I just I want to I do want a draft where. Brian's dog was on the board. He was taken and Brian did not take him. So I, I mean, like Brian's dog more than he likes him. Just, just a fact right now. I, I mean, yeah, that might be true. I mean, I've watched Louie literally shit in any situation possible on luggage in, in a, in a vet, uh, in the middle of any, like any place we go, Louie like nervous shits. So, you know, I didn't really feel like he was deeming of that. Listen, I could talk Louie down right now. So everyone's like, wow, what a bad pick. But I mean, oh, I don't, I don't want you're going to talk shit about a dog. I don't want to do that. That's, with him. That's a, that's a great way to get votes. I'll tell you that he's in the room. Listen, but I mean, he's very honored to be on a graphic. I'm, I'm sure Pat's going to love picking a photo of my dog. Uh, that's, that's, that's also part of the reason why I took is I want to see what creative uh, picture that Pat gets for the graphic. I, love and I think it. I know which one it is, by the way, PJ, do you want to, do you have one more pick or is that it? No, that's it. That's, that's my draft. Do you want to do your honorable mentions? Um, you guys can go first. I have, I have a ton of them. Uh, all right, Matt. So why don't we just do? The, we'll just do the draft order. So Matt, go through yours. Yeah. Um, so I I have Harambe, which was a a pick mm. that I think a few people may have had. Uh, I thought but, Brian was definitely going Harambe. I cannot believe I didn't fucking take Harambe. Wow. See, that's, when, that's that like was, a that's a first round pick if I think of it. That was who I thought first. That's who I thought you were going to take in the first round when we were thinking about this draft. And when you said like your your fourth pick, you're like, oh, this hits like very close to home. And that's who I thought you were going to take at that point. Fuck God. Can we cut this out? I would, I would love to trade. Dude, a pick. 
when he's dragging that kid, like everyone's like, oh, he was trying to protect the kid. He's fucking whipping this kid around. When it's just when it's like dead quiet, people are kind of screaming. They don't know what to do, and the gorilla just sprints with the kid, and the entire crowd starts freaking out. Incredible, Harambe. Uh, my my fraternity had a shirt that said "Rest in Peace, Harambe" with our letters on it. It was like the number one shirt of the summer. I was also thinking of. Animal House, the movie, mm-hmm. really strong movie. I was thinking of the MGM Lion prior to the movie. Lion, mm. uh, I think his name is Leo. Yep, come out, Leo that's the, you know, the big time movie coming on. Red Panda. I didn't actually pick a real animal besides Airbud. Everything else was not an animal, but a Red Panda I think is awesome. Ghost from Game of Thrones, mm. great dire wolf. Always like a right hand man. That was the closest one I almost took. Rise of the Game of Thrones. Oh I, boy, I laughed though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ghost, is good dog. Animal by Kesha, and then Godzilla. Godzilla is the unreal good. specimen. I wanted to include it, couldn't get it in here, but that was my my list right there. So nice, some yeah. solid ones in there. Some I had on my honorable mentions list as well. All right, so yeah, I struggled a lot, and I was kind of feeling out the direction that we were going to go with, like with the draft whether or not I wanted to go with like an, an animal only draft of actual animals. So I did put like a, like five on there just in case. Uh, so I, I had platypus. Uh, I mean, it's a mammal that lays eggs that has like poison in its nails like that. I mean, and Perry, Perry, the platypus too. Perry alone would have been a good pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I almost took at five though, was the Argentinian lake duck. Um, the fun fact about the Argentinian lake duck uh, when we're talking uh, about penises, the Argentinian lake duck has a penis three times the length of its body. And you could, you could Google this and, and see some pretty disturbing things if you'd like. Norman? But like when we're talking like penis proportion to body size, the Argentinian lake duck, number one in the world. And I felt like it deserved to be on the board. I didn't, I didn't do it because I, I, I pandered, but it was close. And you weren't saying true to yourself. You, 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 that you would have been a smaller penis for for Ryan. For I'm, a looking at at a, I'm looking at a, at a photo. This would have played in the graphic, you, dude. You, you could have wrapped that thing around your neck and and died. Like it, this, this might have played on the graphic. It's <laughs> throwing that out there. It it definitely would have. But also, like you know, like we have we have the youths that listen. I don't want to, I don't want to scar them for life with and putting your mom's out. listening, which is like that. <laughs> I don't even know if she listens. The last time she's texted <laughs> me about listens. an episode is a while. Oh, shout out, Lori. Thanks for yeah. staying true. Uh, another thing that I had on here was the movie Animal by Rob Schneider. I don't know if anyone remembers that movie. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. like the first oh, yeah. time they gave him like a solo movie, and it was like, <laughs> let's see what you can do. And after that, they were like, great, back to Adam Sandler's bitch you go. Um, <laughs> uh, I I thought PJ was gonna pick this. I had the Road Warriors Hawk and Animal from WWF. Yeah, I thought uh, about it. It was on I, my list. I had Sloth. I had a Great White Shark. Just you know, oh, just yeah. the pure power of a Great White Shark gets you all jazzed up. Uh, I had Animal from the Muppets, and that's it. Yeah, that's all I had. Some good ones on there. Um, yeah, I had, um, I had. I guess I'm just going to run through a bunch of my picks. I had the Alaskan Bullworm from SpongeBob. Mm, good pick. Strong pick. Um, I had Ugga the Bulldog, the Georgia mascot. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, I had, I had Gary from SpongeBob as well. Um, I had Cat Dog. What a great show. What about you- two animals? What's up? When you listed like um, Santa's little helper and you were like saying like greatest dog of all time, I don't know why for like the first thing that came to my mind was like cat dog. 
when you said that. And that's not even really like a full dog, but I was no, like, it's half a dog. Fuck. I should have put cat dog on, but like I was already, I didn't want to keep adding to the, to the mix. Like you have, you come up with a list. You kind of have to stay there. Otherwise you're going to, you're going to go all over the place. Yeah. yeah and, and even on that one, Matt was saying, um, the I'm a snake video, mm-hmm. um, for, for his, I thought of another like animal themed YouTube. I was going to pick, I, I had, Oh shit. The hamster on the piano. Oh no, wait. Which I know Matt loves. That is a great honorable mention. Hamster on a piano has like 30 different dubstep remixes that you'll just find me playing on a highway drive. Unbelievable pick. But again, like it's same, same thing with same thing with Brian's. Like I, I didn't want to take it because it wasn't on my original board. You also now that now I'm going down a rabbit hole, but I'm also thinking of another famous clip. The uh the I like turtles kid. Yeah. Oh, that's a fucking classic one. one. And this one's going to bring, I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen this. It's a 35 second clip on YouTube. It, when you are done here, look it up. It's called Guinea Pig Bridge. And there's a theme song of guinea pigs running over a wooden bridge. They're like live guinea pigs running over a bridge to a song. And the Guinea Pig Bridge song is fucking like mind numbing. Like you could just play this video on a loop and like you're, you're locked in. Um, so shout out Guinea Pig Bridge. But I wouldn't have picked that because like nobody would have fucking known what that was. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. 100% familiar on it, if I'll be honest. Maybe if I see it, I'll, I'll remember it. I'll send, you, I'll send you a link. You're, you're going to love it. Um, I have a Doggy Style Gary. Matt will get yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. I, if you've ever watched mm-hmm. the fictional, just, fictional I would have done it just to have the photo of Doggy Style Gary on the graphic, but I, I, it, it crossed my mind. Yeah, Brian, you got to watch the fictional debates. It's the funniest thing I've ever watched. And Matt oh. can attest to that. Oh, yeah. I'll take a look. No, you won't. I know. Um, <laughs> Uh, I had the, I don't know why I had the time hop dinosaur just, oh. just randomly on there. I, I wasn't going to take oh. it. Just like something that popped into my head. Yeah. The, the dinosaur, the, the, the mascot for time hop. What that's about a ducky. I, I, I was thinking land before time. Like think of the land before time characters. That's a good one. I, I don't know. I wasn't thinking of any land before time. If I'm going to be honest. It's just a time hop dinosaur. All right. Yeah. I'm not going to um, lie. If you did the dinosaur from time hop, that's a, that's a pat pick. That's why I didn't take it, obviously. Yeah, that screams Pat. Like I said, I always just like write down what I think, and it's all my honorable mentions. And I was not really thinking of taking it, but I was like, it was there. And I was like, I figured I had to say it because it was here. Um, yeah, I got a like I, said, I got a bunch more. Uh Big Cat. I got uh Mike the Tiger. I got this Buffalo, but the city of Buffalo. And then we were also discussing how much I remember before I was gonna pick the the goat that beats the shit out of Ted. What about the cockamouse? The cockamouse is a good one too. Yeah, cockamouse is a good pick for how I met your mother. The the monkey that robs Marshall. Ooh. <laughs> what about the monkey? The monkey from Friends. What's that? Maurice. Yep. Yeah, Fr- Friends sucks. I, I hate that show. But like that being said, like I, I'm sure people would have fucking liked Maurice. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I, th- I think yeah. we did. I think we did really well. And yeah, no one also took uh, the polar bear for Pete and the squirrel for Jeff McNeil, but. Those are also two. I had a match. I had a match pick. I didn't want to take another one. Honestly, I didn't even think of it. Really? Yeah. Which is bad. But, yeah, but I thought it was a good draft. Uh, there was a lot of a lot of ones that were still on the board that yeah. I feel like we could have gone for ten rounds if we wanted to. I I just want this to be a three way tie. I, I don't want there to be any winners. I want us all to get a piece of the pie. Brian, you know what I think is going to happen? Um, I think that. Matt NYJ Matt, go follow him on Twitter um, and on Instagram. Broadway Jets, they they brought up the new new Instagram. Go follow them in there too. Um, he's gonna get all of his followers. That's that's his his votes, and we're gonna split our our followers' votes. That's what's gonna happen. 
Well, here's what I want to do. I don't want to win like that. I want people to look at the graphic and be like, that person deserved to win. So I will definitely retweet the graphic and quote tweet it. But I'll put like, vote for who you think actually won. I do not want to use my following to influence the outcome of this draft. I want to win fair and square. Did Mike do that? I don't know. I don't know how he handled it, but I'm, I'm happy with my five. I took one actual animal, but food, drink, athlete, animal, and a meme video. I'm like very excited with my five and can't wait to see what Pat does in the graphic. Yeah, I'm very excited to see that. Yeah, no, it's, 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 a, it's a healthy mix. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. But Matt, honestly, thank you so much for coming on and being a part of this. Uh, we've said it a couple of times during this little draft, but uh, Matt is the host of Broadway Jets, uh, New York Jets podcast. Honestly, if you're just looking for Jet content, follow, follow Mike from last week and follow Matt because they are fucking classic. They're consistently just putting out heaters on Twitter and they're hysterical, but they're honestly, they're just, they're just honest Jet fans. Um, so like, I, I appreciate that as a, as a Jet fan, as a Jet Met fan, there's a lot of sadness in my life. So seeing, yeah. seeing some happiness or positive spins on the, those franchises always makes me happy. So I appreciate what you guys do. Yeah, we have a great time with it. And we, we definitely have talked about having a crossover episode, bringing Scooter and the Big Man on, both of you, for Broadway Jets, where we can do either a top five snake draft or go through some crazy hypotheticals. So we definitely want you guys to come on soon. And, and yeah, pretty much yeah. it. Definitely would love to, love to. Again, Matt, Matt, NYJ Matt, thanks again for coming on. You can follow him at NYJ Matt. You can follow us on Twitter at Scoot Big Man Pod. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Scooter Big Man Pod. Putting out a lot of content. Go go to the website too, scooterbigman.com. A lot of things we're we're trying to put out, trying to get started. Um, so if you like our like our contents and everything that we do, go follow us, go to the website, go support us, go rate review the on the podcast and, and everything. Um, boys, this is a pleasure. Um, let's go mess. Meet the Mets, fuck the rest that last, cause you're listening to the best sports podcast. We got Brian with jokes that make you laugh on the floor. He's a nine of best, like Brennan M.O. PJ's the man, so many hearts to steal, like a squirrel from a nut, call him Jeff McNeil. And then this pack, keep it everything rational. Too bad the fuckers are a fan of the national. Stop us, please, we ain't that slow. Push your ball so far, like Peter Alonso. So sit back, relax, and if you're a Mets fan, cause you're about to witness, screw it in the big band.